0: Welcome to Grass Talk Radio. This show is for people who play bluegrass music and anybody who might want to. The guard shut the iron door behind me. Howdy folks and welcome to the podcast. In this edition, I'm going to talk about looking in the mirror. And by that, I mean it metaphorically. I mean not literally looking in the mirror, but taking a good look at yourself and analyzing yourself. You could call this self-analysis. And I think it's something we all do constantly, but we don't often do it in a very um organized way. So a, a long time ago when I was when I would have a new student, I would realize that the first couple of lessons I actually learned more than they did because in the first couple of lessons, I have to learn what they know how to do, um, who they are, what they want to do. You know, what is what do they already know? How can I help them? So, in order for me to formulate a plan to teach them, I'd have to learn a lot about them. So it required me to observe them, ask them to do certain things, play this, tell me their history and outline their goals for what it is, what kind of music they want to play, and all that kind of thing. So, to try to make that process happen quicker, after a couple of years, I developed a written version of this. And at the very first lesson, I would just talk briefly about it, and I would send this little two-page document home with them. Just a basic questionnaire, a self-analysis. It was for me to look at, but it was also for them to take a look at. And then over time, you could go back and reanalyze. And it's a great way to see if you're making any progress. Because something you couldn't do on day one, three months later, now you can check that off. And it helps you focus what you're working on. And quite frankly, a lot of people simply don't have any goals. They're they're sort of um, foggy goals of well, I'd like to be able to play, or I'd like to play pretty good. Well, how do you define that? So if you put it, put your goals in a little more definite terms, it's easier to determine whether or not you've reached them, or how how good is your progress towards reaching a goal. But if let's say your goal is I'd like to row a boat. Well, that's completely different than I would like to row my boat across the English Channel. So, the more well-defined your goals, the easier it is to analyze whether you're reaching your goals. So, I think it's a good idea to go through this analysis and then maybe every three to six months redo it. And, you know, as you grow as a musician, your evaluation is going to change over time. And, by the way, this self-analysis is very important for people who are self-taught. If you are learning to play through my books and videos, I can't really see you and I can't ask you questions. So, you have to sort of ask yourself the questions. So, anyway... Uh, if you go to my podcast section of the website, which is bradleylaird.com podcast, there you will find all of the episodes listed. And when you click on an episode, you'll be taken to a page just for that particular episode. And anytime I mention something in a podcast... I'll have a link to it. Let's say I mentioned a YouTube video that I watched. I'll put a link to it. Let's say I mentioned one of my videos. I'll put a link to it. Um, things like that. Things that illustrate what I'm talking here. For example, you might be driving in your car or pulling weeds in your garden while you listen to the podcast and you don't have the ability to write something down. So always remember, you can go to com slash podcast. Go to the episode And I'll have show notes there with links to the various things we talked about. And for this episode, I have there a PDF document, this exact uh, self-analysis form that I use with my own students. So you can just download it and use it yourself. So let's go through each of the items on this list. I'll, I'll read it verbatim as it is on the sheet, and then just talk briefly about it. So it says name and date. It's a good idea to print this out and put a date on it so that you can remember the last time you did it. Number one, how long have you been playing your instrument? And that may seem kind of like a dumb question. It was very helpful to me, you know, if somebody came to me, say for mandolin lessons or banjo lessons, right off the bat, I want to know how long have you been playing? How long have you been trying to learn to play and let's say you've you say three months well i have a pretty good idea about where you are with your progress so we can probably start pretty close to the beginning but if you said well i've been playing 30 years well we have a whole different set of things that that we may need to work on okay so question one was How long have you been playing your instrument? That's something the teacher needs to know, and it's something you need to keep track of, because it's a good idea to occasionally say to yourself, wow, I've been doing this now for 12 months or three years, and you should be seeing good progress. A lot of times, people make a lot of progress in the first three months, and then in the second three, they don't do as well. So anyway... Where you are in time is an important fact. So how long have you been playing your instrument is number one. Number two, and I would always ask people this, do you play any other instruments? And if so, how long? Because let's say I have a a new student who's playing the banjo. How long have you been playing your instrument? He says, well, I just got it this week. If I ask him, well, do you play other things? He says, yes, I play electric guitar and bass and piano and flute and bagpipes. And I've been, you know, doing that for 50 years. He is a different character than somebody that says, no, I've never really played anything. So it's just important to the teacher. And it's not as important to you because you know those things. But I always ask my students that one. Do you play other instruments, and if so, how long? Number three, do you read tablature? Because before I throw tablature on the music stand, or in the case of my videos, I include tablature with most of my video lessons. You know, it tells me do I need to go over how to read it. If you already read it, great. But I wouldn't, you know, just getting a yes or no answer... Uh, Sometimes there's still going to be things that pop up that maybe somebody doesn't know. So I'll, I'll pretty quickly get an idea of how well they read tablature. And do they read it verbatim? Do they just, can they sit down and sort of sight read from it? Or do they simply know how to decode it? And it's my opinion that that's pretty much all you really need to be able to do. Just translate it into finger motions and hand motions. So I ask, do you read tablature, and do you read chord charts? And if you answer no to any of these things, I've got resources on this on the site and in some of my books and lessons that will show you how to do that stuff. Number four, do you read standard music notation? I ask that because I I really am of this dualist. Uh, I sit on the fence with tablature and notation people that come to me and they could already read notation i kind of push them towards tab and if you can read tab i often push towards notation i in other words i think it's very useful to at least have some basic knowledge of reading both systems because first of all how are you ever going to decide which system you prefer if you don't if you only know how to do one system Now, the majority of my um, mandolin lessons are provided with both, tablature and standard notation. Because in the mandolin world, there, there seems to be more people who read standard notation. In the fiddle world, it's very common for almost everything to be in standard notation with no tablature. But in the banjo world, it's more tablature. You almost never see standard notation. So it's a it's something that you should consider learning to do both. So you ask yourself the question, do you read tablature? Do you read standard notation? Number five, how many songs slash tunes can you play from memory? That's sort of important because the ultimate purpose of doing all this to try to learn to play your instrument is to be able to play songs slash tunes and if you can't do that well I think you need to work on that because uh, I'll give you an example I knew a guy it was a good friend of mine that uh, decided to learn to play the saxophone And he had been a bass player and a trumpet player and he's a really good musician and he decided to take up the saxophone and he practiced and he practiced and he practiced and he became pretty good at playing the sax but I, I never actually heard him play a song I don't I don't know that he ever did play a song in the couple of years he worked on it he played a lot of exercises and scales and parts of songs anyway it's important to maybe keep a little log of the songs that you can play because when you go out into the real world and you perform for other people even if it's just sitting around the house playing for your friends and family they like to hear songs you know so it's important to learn some songs being able to play your scales and form all these chords and do all this cool stuff is necessary to make you a better musician but at the end of the day you want to know how to play songs and slash tunes songs being of course melodies with lyrics that you sing And you could play an an instrumental version of that. So those you would call songs, tunes, would be strictly instrumentals. Okay, number six. How do you rate your A, lead or solo playing? B, how do you rate your backup playing? C, how would you rate your sense of time and rhythm? D, how would you rate your song arranging abilities? And E, how would you rate your composition skills? So let's take those one at a time very briefly. Lead or solo playing. It's perfectly logical in the early stages of learning an instrument that you not probably focus too much on lead playing. You learn a few chords and learn to strum along or play back up so that if you walk up to a jam session or you're playing with some other musicians, you can learn that skill, a basic rudimentary knowledge of it, much quicker than you can learn to take hot solos. But it's important to keep track of, you know, how you're doing with playing leads and and solos. Same goes for backup playing, which was B. Um, I like to start people out right in the very beginning working on their lead and solo playing. Even though I know uh, the chords and rhythm stuff is much easier and more useful, I usually wait until three or four or five lessons into it before I turn back to chords. Oh, I might show them a couple really simple chords at the very beginning, but I want to get them working on their lead playing because it takes longer. So like, if you look at my beginning mandolin videos, there are three lessons, and it's all lead, solo, technique playing, and then you get to, I think it's lesson four, and I start talking about chords. Because I know you'll pick up the chords and you need more time to work on your lead playing. So, sense of time and rhythm. Just rate yourself. It's It might be helpful to ask someone else to rate you, because... Many times it's very difficult to judge your own skill with timing and rhythm, but um, there are great ways to verify your timing. One being the metronome, and I'm going to do a whole podcast on the metronome at some point. I discuss it in my book Mandolin Masterclass and in Mandolin Training Camp, and I have a set of Metronome on MP3 tracks that I sell. If somebody needs a metronome reference, but having a time reference that doesn't vary and doesn't lie and is non-judgmental is a great way to determine do you really have you know good timing. I'm also going to put a link in the show notes to a a couple of heinous metronome tracks that I created that instead of a steady ticking at a certain rate, it ticks along. And then I just went into the file and deleted ticks here and there. And sometimes two in a row, sometimes three in a row. So when you play along with that, and I call them the minefield tracks, and you're playing along with the metronome, and it's just clicking steady along with you, and you've got that reassuring time reference like having a good bass player behind you but then all of a sudden certain clicks don't happen and and the the thing you're attempting to do here is see how well you can maintain your rhythm and when the click comes back in are you still with it so those are fun to play with and i'll i'll put a link those are free on my website i'll put a link in there and that'll give you some way to judge your timing and rhythm song arranging uh, that comes into play more in terms of if you're in a band, or or possibly you're just recording stuff. So rate yourself on that and composition skills. Have you ever written a tune or a song? It's important to know, and especially for me as a teacher. I want to know if that's sort of what you're into. Number seven: Can you play these chords and how many different ways? A major chords. B, minor chords, C, dominant 7th chords, D, other chords such as 6 chords, minor 7th, augmented, etc. In other words, you're going to jot down here sort of where you are in terms of your chord knowledge. Like you say, well, I can play 3 major chords and I know 2 minor chords and I don't even know what a dominant 7th is. That might be your answer today. And that would tell you, well, maybe you need to bone up on your chord knowledge a little bit. Uh, Number eight, do you know the notes of the chromatic scale? Can you say them from memory? We won't even get to, can you play them, and can you locate them on your instrument? But the notes of the chromatic scale are sort of like knowing the alphabet. Yes, you could write a a great novel or a poem, and you're going to do that using words that are spelled with letters. And those letters... Or the alphabet. It's the most rudimentary thing you learn probably in kindergarten in order to build your reading and writing skills. In music, that most basic musical alphabet is the chromatic scale. So, do you know them? You need to find that out. And, by the way, if you don't, I have a free video called uh, What is a Chromatic Scale that you can watch. Number nine, do you know how to create a major scale from beginning on any note? Just answer yes or no if you don't. I also have a video called, What is a Major Scale? Number ten, do you know how to create a major or minor chord from a major scale? Now we're getting into, you know, a little more theory, a little more music theory. So this is, these are just some basic questions to determine where do you stand in the world of your musical theory knowledge? Number 11, do you know what chords are found in a key? And I might add, do you even know what a key is? So answer that question. Chords and keys are really important. Pretty much, I think every song is played in a certain key and will have chords associated with it. So knowing a little about keys and chords is pretty important. Number 12, do you know how to transpose? I'm probably one of those rare... um, writers of an instructional book who includes transposing or transposition very early if you got my um, mandolin instruction course my little basic beginner ebook on how to play the mandolin about halfway or three quarters into it i start talking about transposing so ask yourself do you know what it is and can you do it uh, number 13, can you play in keys other than the key of G, C, D, or A? Those are by far the most common keys that you encounter in the bluegrass and old-time music world. But, you're going to run into other keys too, and so, how many keys do you can you comfortably play in? You might say, well, I can play rhythm in these keys pretty easily, lead, uh, maybe a fewer number. So, Ask yourself that question. How many keys can you, can you play in keys other than GCDNA? Fourteen, how good are you at playing melodies by ear? That's A lot of people are not very good at that. I'll bet you can hum Happy Birthday, and I'm sure you can whistle the Star Wars theme. But can you play it on your instrument? It's a skill you should work towards developing, and for you mandolin players... A mandolin master class has a section devoted to some ideas to help you develop those skills and some ear training tracks which i think if people will use them and, and follow the tips that i give in there you'll you will improve at that because if you can more instinctively locate and play melodies on your instrument you're going to be a better musician And the second part of that question is, can you figure out chord progressions without asking other people for help? In other words, if you pull out a CD, put on your favorite bluegrass band, play the song, can you figure out what chords they're actually playing? That's a very important skill too, especially when you're hanging around jam sessions. It's less important in a band situation because in the band You have rehearsals and you can always discuss it and say, hey, what's that chord? Jam sessions, you'll become a bit of a pest if you do that too much. So being able to hear chord progressions is is a valid skill to work on. And I'll probably one of these days do a podcast on some ideas about how to improve that skill. Uh, 15. Do you know what syncopation is? I'll just let you answer that one. Uh, 16. Do you know what dynamics in music are? I think it's very important. Um, a lot of players don't play very much with dynamics. And in a very simplistic way, you could think of dynamics as your volume control. But it's also your intensity control, you might say. So sometimes it, dynamics can be affected by attitude as much as by what, what you're hearing. And 17, how would you rate your skills at dynamics? And and let me just say this. The really good bands that you hear, they've got great dynamics in almost every case. Probably in every case. Now, they, they may have dynamics as a band, but that's ultimately caused by individual dynamics. So consider dynamics to be a very important factor. Maybe if you just started today, that's not number one, but it's, Something you want to periodically take a look at and say, how much do I understand the, the idea of dy- dynamics and how can I, how well am I doing at putting dynamics into my music? Eighteen, do you know how to describe chord progressions as Roman numerals? I won't go into a long discussion of why that's so handy and helpful. I've discussed it in, I think, both Masterclass and Mandolin Training Camp. And I, I think on my website too, um, on the jam session survival pages, there's some information about it there too. If you don't know how to do it, I encourage you to look into it. I also have a video um, on the subject. It's got a couple of videos, so you might take a look at those. Just look for chords by the numbers. Uh, number 19 and you're asking yourselves these questions. Do you participate in open jam sessions? Yes or no? And how often? 20. How would you rate your success at jam sessions? Hopefully, that's an ever-improving rating you'll give yourself. Uh, 21. Do you play in a band? And 21B. Do you want to? I've often been mystified by... By many of my students who would come for lessons and um, profess that they had no intention of ever playing in a band and that they really weren't all that hot on the idea of even playing in a jam session. And I would just be like, well, now tell me why you even want to do this. At least get out there in the jam sessions. But playing in a band. Um, I won't go into great detail here, but it's one of the, the best ways to improve your how other people view your playing. Because if at a jam session you never know what's coming next and you have very little control over the situation as to the keys and the speeds and what else is going on around you. But in a band all that can be worked out and the very same musicians who might be uh, just average jam session participants can and often do sound really good in a rehearsed band situation so that's something to consider Uh, uh, number 22 how do your skills compare to the other band members or jammers and i i'll talk about this in great detail one day but right now i'll just briefly say that if you're the absolute best player in the jam session you're probably not going to gain much from that other than some ego, uh, stroking of your ego. On the other hand, if you're completely outgunned and you're the absolute worst player and you just cannot keep up, you may not gain much from that, except possibly having a fire lit under you to become a better player. But it's important to keep keep tabs on that. Like, where do you rank with the people you're playing with and I always heartily suggest that everybody try to play with musicians that are better than they are but not so good that they refuse to play with you okay number 23 what made you decide to learn to play that instrument or play music at all really examine that why do you want to do this it's very important to know that. And right now, your answer could be different than two years from now. It's it's okay for these things to change, by the way. But I think a lot of people maybe never really thought about it. Something in their subconscious triggered them to want to play, and maybe they never really stopped and thought about it. So I want you to stop and think about it. Uh, 24, what are your short and long-term goals? And I hear... You might want to devote a whole page to answers here. Make them very specific so that you can check them off when you've accomplished them. Say, I, I want to know the notes of the chromatic scale. I want to be able to play an E minor 7th chord. I want to be able to play Foggy Mountain Breakdown at 125 beats a minute. And the up-the-neck break. And so on. Make Make them very specific so that you can determine how you're doing along your path. And finally number 25 and this is pretty important how do you rate your instrument in terms of its sound and its playability a lot of people are struggling with instruments that a maybe don't sound that good and you know could be improved upon without buying another instrument or maybe you, you're that person that's been playing 5 years and maybe it is time for you to move up to a better instrument um, and playability beginners don't have the knowledge and skills to gauge their own instrument in terms of how it's set up so with I give some tips in my banjo instruction course in the in the appendix of that book on how to set up your banjo, just doing very basic things to improve its playability and its sound because both the banjo and the mandolin have movable bridges so they can be made you you can put them in the wrong place and make the instrument sound out of tune with every fretted note so there are things you can do adjustments to your instrument so take a look at your instrument if, if your fingers are hurting when you're pressing down the strings at the first fret something's wrong now if you play for five hours they're gonna hurt especially when you're just starting out and your fingers aren't very tough but you need to rate your instrument in terms of sound and playability and if you're not qualified to do that watch some of the videos and read some of the information on the website and ask other players go to a jam session find the best if you're a man on player find the best man player in the room hand him your instrument and say would you take a look at this now, of course, take everybody's opinion with a grain of salt, because everybody knows about opinions. But the more opinions you get, the easier it will be for you to learn a little bit about. Like, if they say, whoa, this this plays really hard, or you've got a bow in the neck, or maybe I would raise the action. You know, just take all that in and then go try to understand it. Now, for mandolin players, I have a much more elaborate... Um, bit of information I can lay on you. I've got a couple of free videos that discuss setup and string changing, things like that. And I also have a book called The Mandolin Handbook, which is about 80 pages, and it's sort of the owner's manual for the mandolin, which they did not include. When you bought the mandolin, there might have been maybe a little booklet with it or a pamphlet, but they don't usually give you a whole lot of information. So I, I wrote that missing owner's manual for the mandolin. And especially for people who have just started, I really recommend it. So, that's the 25 things. You can download that from the show notes page. Rate yourself. Come back in three months or six months and do it again. And hopefully, this will keep you focused on the things that you need to do to become a better musician anyway i hope you enjoyed this podcast and i'll talk to you in the next edition